0: And it's a holiday weekend, and yet there's a lot of people who aren't here. Isn't that cool? <laughs> I'm not, I, I have no judge which way is better on that. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys don't seem very talkative yet. <laughs> you laugh, but I say yet, yeah, because you're gonna, we're going to talk today. It's kind of cool, you think about how these things work out, work themselves out. Mm-mm, how God works these things out. Um, because uh, it's a little more intimate today. It's a little more of that type of a vibe. We're going to kind of be talking together, and I mean that. And, and so be thinking about your answers, because you might be called on any moment. Okay, George? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's no question. You just have to answer. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But, but be. You know, that's what we're talking about this morning. You know, Matt said earlier, the number one thing that we come here for every Sunday, why am I here on a holiday weekend, right? Because I get paid to be here. Not really. I mean, I would be here anyway. I'd be right where you are because we show up every week to hear a word from God. And uh, I pray that's why you're here today. I pray that there's something that you're looking for, something you're asking questions about. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask, seek, knock, right? And I love that. That's actually my life verse. I love that verse because it's so permissive to say, ask questions, look for me, beat on the door. And there's promises right after that, right? That it's always answered. It's always opened. And you always find and I pray that's why we're here today in that spirit of seeking out and knowing and finding out and learning more. And, and one of the ways we've been doing that as a body, as those of you who've been coming for a while know, right, is we're talking about this book of Nehemiah. And uh, I was kind of uh, amazed, this, the, the, the br- breadth of our knowledge of Nehemiah because, or, and the breadth of our exposure to Nehemiah, because there's some folks I've talked to who've said, man, Nehemiah is my favorite, favorite book. And there's other people who've said, that's in the Bible? You know, Nehemiah who? what? And so we're like all over the place But it's so cool because it is in our Bibles And um, and that's what we've been talking about And so uh, it's this amazing First Testament story of Nehemiah And if you don't know, I'm going to bring up The speed really quickly here But we've been learning about this guy Nehemiah And he's a servant, cupbearer to the king, right? And he has his heart for Jerusalem The Jews are in exile their, Their city's been destroyed And they've been just scattered all over the place, right? And so he's serving and he hears the state of Jerusalem And he's heartbroken And we talked about that and then he prayed, and we talked about his prayers, holy, holy prayers that he has, and these crazy prayers that Nehemiah prays. And then he waits, and that's a very um, uh, radical thing to do. I think in our society, we were talking last night, my brother-in-law, Rich, and I'm going to give some props here. We spent, we, we spent a lot of time talking about this text. Um, he's in for the weekend. He couldn't be here this morning. They wanted to be here. But, uh, but, man, how cool is it that Nehemiah waited and gave us that model for waiting? I think if there's any great sin in our society, it's that we have to have things right now. I mean... We are instant gratification, and, we, and it's like a gateway sin. We're talking about gates today. It's this, it's this thing that if we have to have it right now, we'll settle for anything instead of waiting for the best thing. And Nehemiah knows to wait for the best thing is so important. So he waits, and he plans. And then he came, and he saw hand, and then he inspired the work. And I say that loosely, he inspired the work, because I believe God was working among the people. We talked about last week, Nehemiah was the guy in the room who knew the truth and wasn't afraid to say it. But guess what? Everyone else in the room knew the truth. They just wouldn't say it. But to their credit, as soon as it was said, they were on it. And this is, so I say they were, that Nehemiah inspired uh, them. I believe God inspired them, and Nehemiah was a catalyst for that, if that makes sense. He was just the guy to speak the truth, and when the truth was spoken, God's people responded. And that's such a great, great thing. But as we get started, though, I want to ask one question. I asked you guys last week about this, and I'd love to hear, some, this is our first chance for some feedback. Some, some interaction today. And this was the question I asked you. What is the deal with this wall? What's the deal with the wall? And I'll tell you why I asked the question, because if you think about ways to get in the Bible, right, this is a pretty sweet way to get in the Bible. Because who couldn't build a wall? You know? I mean, seriously, all of us could build a wall, right? Jesus gets the Bible because he works miracles, and he's the son of God, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> None of us qualify. Okay? But... But and other people, these great prophets, these great guys, and all these people, we can't live up. We can't reach those guys, man. They're like holier. They're, 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 they don't even touch the ground. You know, they just float around. That's in our mind, right? But Nehemiah is not that guy. Nehemiah is like you and me. Nehemiah is just a guy who puts his hands to the work, and we're all called into that kind of thing. But the deal is this: then how does Nehemiah get in the Bible for building a wall? You know, like that's my question. So my question to you last week was, what's the purpose of a wall? What's going on with this wall in the Nehemiah's building? Because that's it. The totality of his story is building a wall around Jerusalem. Today's Memorial Day weekend. This weekend's Memorial Day weekend, right? It's Just kind of a, maybe a, a military question maybe. Maybe it's some kind of a question about the purpose. So what do you think? To get the people back together? The purpose of the wall? Okay. Okay, so you would say like they're they're establishing some boundaries, well, and everyone's included in the work. Yeah, they had been scattered. Okay. That's awesome. Any? <laughs> that was just <laughs> good job anyone else what is another purpose of walls? so there's like some some kind of boundaries right and some and also you said getting your hands to work was what we're talking about today that's that's really cool to create purpose so the wall is just a way a, a means to an end to do okay anyone else huh security yeah that's something that's kind of funny. That was that was something my brother-in-law talked to me about. I didn't even think of the, I don't think of a wall, but that's absolutely what it's for. Security. Anyone else? just It's not about Nehemiah's wall. Any wall. Why would you build a wall around the city? Go ahead. Well, I be protection just to be like a house That mm-hmm. we go. Bad guys could come in. Yeah. So, like, like, it's kind of what you, you said, security, but it's more also about control of the flow of people, control of the flow of ideas, control. And we see that a little bit whenever um, Sam Ballot and Tobiah are, are upset about the wall. What do they care? Well, they're going to be out, and they kind of know that. Anyone else? Last chance. There would be more chance to participate today, but this is the last chance right now. Anyone? So read through the list I made here, and this wasn't all me, this is me talking to people, just like we dialogue just now. Boundaries, boundary issues, it's huge, right? Defensive structure, there's something about it that lets you seal it from the inside. It doesn't close from the outside, these gates, they bolt them from the inside, you know? It's something about about having that um, control, which is the next one. And we're going to talk about the control issue later on, because when Nehemiah, it's like the beginning of a holiness movement, you see? The first thing he has to do is establish the perimeter. You know, my brother-in-law's military, as you guys know, and he always talks about that. He talks about how he was in Iraq, and they had these huge T-barriers in Iraq. And that's there for their protection. Now, that's not, actually, there's no come and go. They can walk right through him. He was talking, telling me a story about when he played softball, and they hit a home run. And he was so caught up in the moment, he ran outside the wall to get the ball. And then he realized he could be shot. And He ran faster. <laughs> Back without the ball it's, I'm never going to get a ball again But there's this idea that, that A wall is there for protection But it's also there for control It's, it's this idea of holiness with Nehemiah this, this, He's heartbroken over the condition The Jews are being made fun of and mocked And these are the people of God And Nehemiah hasn't forgotten that story He knows them It's about separation It's about power Which I think is why Samballot and Tobiah get so upset They get it They maybe get it more than, than the Jews who are in Jerusalem get it What's going on? It's about safety. Talked about that a little bit. It's about authority. Who has the rights to let things in and out? And it's about security. So this is the deal. Well, th- this week we're talking chapter three is what we're going to read, and this is going to be really exciting. But they all rebuild the wall, and, and, and uh, each one gets his own assigned section. So it's very much what Steve said here. It's this idea that everyone puts their hands to the work, and kind of what Dan said too. It's a means to an end. It's something they've gotten up. And last week, you know, we talked about that they actually stood up when I said they began the work. They stood up and they hardened their hands. Anybody get any calluses this week? You know. We live in a society where, and I'm sure it was the case there then as well, where some people have calloused hands and other people don't have calloused hands because of the work they do. But there's this idea that they're strengthening their hands, they're hardening their hands to the work, and this is their pledge with their mouths last week. Now this week, we're going to find out that Nehemiah was serious when he talked about getting up and getting to the work. Last week was kind of like a salad bar I put in my notes, you know, because it was let let us, us, let us. Let us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I think I say that because it's kind of cheap, you know, it's like, it's like, let us go across town. And but, but, but then sometimes we don't do it, okay? And so last week was a salad bar, but, but then we get into the meat. And, and he's taking a break here to talk about it. And what he talks about in chapter 3 is interesting because he said, Nehemiah, we talked in 2 about, he said, let us go and build. We got up. We are, are humiliated. But he'd been there for three days in Jerusalem. And so he's very much with the people. And to, to show you how serious he was. I want you to turn to chapter 3 of Nehemiah with me the, There you go, 337 in your, in your uh, Bibles that we provide If you have your own You can turn to Nehemiah 3 First of all, I'm going to ask for grace Because this is one of those, bu- bu- those chapters That you don't want to read aloud But I get to do it And so we're going to read it aloud And we're going to go through here And just hear what God is saying through this word But Nehemiah, keep in mind, is serious When he says we are going to put our hands to the work Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate, and they dedicated it, putting its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hanel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakir, son of Emery, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hesaniah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Memorath... Think so. Son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired the next section. Next to them, Meshulam, son of Barakiah, son of Meshabel, made the repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Bana Arbena, and also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of (laughs) Tioka, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. The Jeshnah gate was repaired by Jodiah Jodiah, son of Piyasha, maybe Pias Pia? Pasa, <laughs> Meshulam, son of see this is a this is hard, isn't it? Man, look at these names. who names people like this? I think it's God I think God's laughing, right <laughs> Nehemiah you know he wrote these down because they're important all right uh, Meshlem, son of Bosida. I'm just going to move on. <laughs> they laid his beams and put his doors and bolts and bars in place. They built a gate. Notice that, they built a gate. Next to them, the repairs were made by the men of Gibeon and Mizpah. Melathiah the, and, of Gibeon and Jed- Jedon of Merath, places un, under the authority of the governor of Trans-Euphrates. Okay, so he's getting a little description there. Uzael, son of... Hariah, <laughs> one of the goldsmiths, prepared the next section. Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made the next section, prepared the next section. Uh, they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Okay, so now we're here, we're here again. Oh, you know what we're supposed to be doing? We're not doing it. We have, we have made this really amazing graphic because this is so hard to understand. Um, and so it, let's just go ahead and try to get to the broad wall. Let's go ahead and, oh, See? There they are. This is what we're doing. These are all what we've been reading. Fish gate. See the fish gate? The old gate. Okay, good. That's where we're at. We're at the broad wall right now. Okay. i got to find where the broad wall Okay, there it is, the broad wall. <laughs> Verse 9, if you're with us. Raphaiah, son of Hur, ruler of the Has district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Jedediah, son of Haramph, that's a cool name. Made repairs opposite the house. And Hattosh, son of uh made repairs next to him. Malachi, son, or son of Harim and Hasab, son of Harath Moab, repaired another section and the tower of the ovens. Shalom, son of Haloesh. Ruler of the half district of Jerusalem Repaired the next section with the help of his daughters Ah, interesting, see there Devin, are you with us? Hey, good morning Yeah, they, they, the, the, the women were working Isn't that interesting? I don't know, Matt thought that was really interesting He said, the daughters, why would they say the daughters are building there? You know what's really, really cool about this? The word there is bath Sorry, I'm just talking to you, you okay? Yeah no, Guess what? In Hebrew, the word is bath you're bath, Right? Bath, like you take a bath, bath. It's a combination of two words, and you know what it means? It means builders of sons. I don't know, I was kind of amazed by that. These guys are building the wall, but he says, hey, hey, even those folks who build our sons are building the wall, right? This guy had his daughter's help. I just think it's cool that builders of sons, you ever think that's a heavy responsibility? Builders of men, builders of generations, builders of children. That's the title that, that the Hebrews give to women. Their culture. The valley gate was repaired by Hunan and the residents of Zanoa. Zanoa, right? Zanoa. That's the guy that was in the boat. They rebuilt it and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. They also repaired 500 yards of the wall as far as Dungate. Now, first of all, this is Matt's favorite gate, the Dungate. Secondly, 500 yards, I, you told me that was, so I thought it it in there. 500 yards is quite a bit of wall, I think, you know? I mean, uh, that gives us some practical idea of how much this. Uh, Covering here. A lot of work. The dung gate was repaired by uh, Melchiah, son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hecarim. He rebuilt it and put his doors and bolts and bars in place. See, there is another gate. The fountain gate was repaired by Shalom, son of Kol Hozoah, ruler of the district of Mizpah. He rebuilt it, roofing over it and putting his doors and bolts and bars in place. He, was, he, re, he also repaired the wall of the pool of Shilom. And the king's next to the king's garden, as far as the steps going down to the city of David. Beyond him, Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, I think this is a different Nehemiah here, ruler of the half district of Bethzur, made repairs to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and the house of the heroes. Next to him, the repairs were made by the Levites under Rem, son of Benai. Beside him, Hashabiah, ruler of the half district of Kilal, uh, carried out repairs his district. Next to him the repairs were made by the countrymen under Benai, son of Hadad, ruler of other half district of Killah. You see why no one wants to read this, don't you? You see why no one wants to read this? Next to him, Azir, son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section from a point facing the ascent of the armory as far as the angle. Next to him, Barak, son of Zabai, zealously, oh this dude, zealously repaired another section uh, from the angle to the entrance of the house of Elishib, the high priest. Next to him, Meramah, son of Uriah, son of Hekaz, repaired another section from the entrance of elsheb's house, Eliashib's house, to the end of it. The repairs next to him were made by the priests from the surrounding region. Beyond them, Benjamin and Heshab made repairs in front of their house. Next to them, Azariah, son of Messiah, the son of Ananiah, <laughs> that's the coolest like, family lineage right there, made repairs beside him his house. So notice that. It's right by his house. Next to him, Benai, son of Hinnad, Hindad, repaired another section from Uzziah's house, right, to the angle in the corner. And Palau, son of Uzai, worked opposite the angle and the tower projecting from the upper palace near the court of the guard. Next to him, Pediah, son of Parash, and the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel made repairs up to a point opposite the water gate toward the east and the projecting tower. Next to them, the men of Tekoa prepared another sec- repaired another section and the great pro- from the great projecting tower to the wall of Ophel. Above the hot horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. So these priests are working over there as well. Then next to, him, next to them, Zadok, son of Emir, made repairs opposite his house. Next to him, Shemiah, son of Shekaniah, the the guard of the east gate, he made repairs as well. Next to him, Hananiah, son of Shemaliah and Hanan, the sixth son of repaired another section. Next to them, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, made repairs opposite his living quarters. Next to him, Malachiah, maybe, (laughs) one of the goldsmiths, right, made repairs at the house of the temple servants and merchants opposite the inspection gate. And as far as the room of the corner and between the room from the corner and the sheep gate, where we started this conversation like four years ago, <laughs> the goldsmiths and the merchants made their repairs. <laughs> Take a deep breath. <sighs> Let's pray. Father God, uh, we thank you that you have given us your word, uh, given it to, to reveal something about who we are, something about what we're to do, something about uh, who you are in our lives, something about who you're calling us to be. We know today, Lord, that you are speaking through this text. We know today, Lord, you are here with us. You are loving us before we are ever even thinking that we're lovable. We pray today, Lord, that we would open our hearts to you, open our minds to your truth, Lord. That we would seek you at all times, that, we, that you would be glorified. Through what we do, and what we say, and who we are, Lord, and that's by your work, because without you we're nothing. We pray you would have this time, have our hearts, have our minds, have our bodies, have everything, bend us to your will, shape us in your way, Lord, be glorified. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord, that is with us, and dwelling in us, teaching us the truth of your word. We thank you for everything you've given us, in Jesus' name, amen. So that is a lot, a lot of names. And a lot of really hard names, you know. And I tell you, if you read scripture the way I read scripture, you get to chapter three of Nehemiah, and you just kind of go like, da 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 da. Okay, they were just making a list of names. But that's kind of the point, isn't it? Isn't it interesting that what Nehemiah does here is he starts off by writing, as I wrote my notes, a chapter of who. A chapter of who? I kind of got in trouble here because I was assuming this was, we wrote that little chart, you know that map went around there? And, like as an order. But it's more that he documented who did the work before he tells you the work that was done. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's more important to Nehemiah that you hear the people involved in the story. It reminds me of, um, of uh, a movie, but in the opposite order. It's like the old movies where they showed you the credits up front. Do you know what I'm saying? You can tell kind of a dating of a movie if it's, if it's at the end and it's on a scroll and it's just going, and people are checking out. But Nehemiah says, no, no, no. These folks put their hands to the work and it's important enough, he said, we will do the work together, that he named every one of them excruciatingly by name. Not only that, he talked about their fathers and their grandfathers and how they were tied into the family of God. You see, it's a big deal to Nehemiah. You know what it, remind, it also reminds me I said the chapter of Who? There's this Dr. Seuss thing. Have you heard of it? What's it called? About who? Who? Horton hears a who? Who, who has, has read that book? or there's a movie, right? Yes, Amanda in the back. Who can tell us what that's about? Anyone? They think Horton's crazy because he hears things no one else can hear. Yeah, and then it was, there's a great moral I was told. What was the great moral of the story? Say it one more time, Amanda, nice and loud. A person to person, no matter how small. And apparently, this Horton hears a who. The way they finally realize, they finally get that there's these people talking to Horton is that the last little bitty dude finally throws his voice in and they all hear it. Because the person's the person, no matter how small. Okay? So this this great Dr. Seuss moment. But it all ties into me, this idea of who. They put their hands to the work. Every last one of them. 49 people were named, or people groups. So there are even more that they were named in that chapter we read through. You think it was a struggle to read through it. They did the work. They're in the Bible. How cool is that? You know, they got it in the Bible, not like Nehemiah. He got a whole book for a restoring the wall just for having their section. We talked about they built right next to their house. They built by this gate, by that gate. Everyone put their hands to the work. 49 people or people groups put their hands to the work in this third chapter of Nehemiah. And he records every single one of them because it's important. You remember in chapter 2, the last thing he said to our, to our uh, not-so-friends, uh, Ballat and Tobiah. He said, you have no portion here. You have nothing to do with this wall we're building. But the people who are building it had everything to do with the wall being built. You see, every single one of them was important. We had nine different occupations. Did you hear it in there? The goldsmiths. My favorite was the perfume makers, right? Put their hands to the work. There's all these people from all walks of life, and they're all building the same wall that's doing exactly what we talked about earlier, restoring some control, some holiness, some boundaries for these folks who've been trampled upon and made fun of all this time. Every person gets their time before us. Nine different occupations, all walks of life. Interesting that the priest started out. That would kind of make sense to us. The priest gets top billing. They start with the sheep gate, which is literally the sheep gate. Isn't that funny, right? But then it goes right around the wall. And it doesn't matter where you are in this wall. Your work is as important as every other piece being built. Do you understand what I'm saying? There was no unimportant builders in Nehemiah's wall. There was no one's work who they could have done without. And Nehemiah seems to get it by writing in chapter 3 every name down. You know? It's like when they give those Academy Award speeches, and they start to do the list, and you go, oh, come on. And you like, get on with it, right? But there's something that's honoring in that. There's something with Nehemiah that he's saying every person's important. Every piece of the wall's important. Some people are building gates. Some people are building, uh, restoring the walls. But everyone is important. Nehemiah took the time to record every person who worked by name. Nehemiah affirmed their necessity, their effort, and their contribution. He talked about who they were, what they did, and how important they were to the work. No one gets left out in Nehemiah's story. Nehemiah told his names up front before uh, recounting the historical order of events and didn't wait to the end to talk about the people. You see, because if you could have heard the great story about what's going to happen with the wall that Nehemiah's building, you would probably taper off. I hope that you didn't read the third chapter of Nehemiah and go, man, I'm done with this book. You know, we're talking about the book of Numbers, right? There's another one, the book of Chronicles. There's some books we like to just skip through because, oh, it's such a messy thing. It's all this names and history. Garrett, where'd you come from? Where'd you come from? The reason the person giving the Academy Award speech takes the time is because they know they didn't get there on their own. We should honor God by reading these texts and realizing we did not get here on our own. There's a great faith story at work. Everyone did the same work. And I wrote that down, but it's, it's, it's true. It's the same thing. When they said stand up, I'm kind of frustrated with NIV on this. We talked about this last week. They said, let's start the work. It meant let's get up and harden our hands with the work. Other translations articulate that difference. NIV says, let's keep it simple. They started. Good, right? Well, this one, they says, they rebuilt, they rebuilt, they rebuilt. They built, they built, they built, right? They built the gate, they rebuilt the wall. They built the gate, rebuilt the wall. Rebuilt the gate, built the wall. That's how the, the cadence goes in the text, okay? But what's interesting is, it's the same words that we talked about last week. Bana was to build or rebuild, the same word for daughters, right? Bana plus bin, makers of men, builders of men. The same thing here was in there. Banah, the build or rebuild, and Kazakh to strengthen or harden. So these guys who got up were serious because Nehemiah says, they said, let us start the work. And he says, and by the way, these guys did it. These guys put their hands to the work. They got up. They hardened their hands. They did the work ahead of them. They got the vision that Nehemiah was talking about, right? Nehemiah knew that every story was connected to a bigger story, right? He didn't start with the priest and say, the priest put the sheep gate in place, and they blessed it. They dedicated it, it says, if you look at your text. They dedicated the sheep gate. He doesn't say, and then we all went back home because the priest did the work. And like I said last week, Nehemiah didn't come in there and say, stand aside. I'm building a wall. He knew the call of God was the call of community. I hope you can hear that today, that you are not on your walk alone. Too many of us wander out into the forest and we cry out to God, Oh God, I'm here. There's no one else. And He goes, Why aren't you with my people? Why are you out here on your own? It's a work of community every person putting their hands to the work. Everything affects everything, and Nehemiah knew it. Every part of the story was connected to a bigger story, and he says this this way, and next to him, and next to them, and next to him, and next to them. Now, I kind of like that, right? I liked it was simple, you know? And my brother-in-law and I were talking last night, and he goes, what's next mean anyway? (laughs) Well, it just means next, like beside, you know, and then I go and do a word study on it. It means um, joined together, but guess what the word is. <laughs> if you were here last week, the word is yod. Yod, yod means hand, and it literally means they bound their strength. It's translated two different ways in the text, and it comes off the same way the NIV does it. The same way either time when it says next is translated either one of two words, either yod by itself, which means he he put his he, next well his hand. With the other person, right? But then there's yod al, which means together they bound themselves. There was no part of the wall that was unimportant. No part of the work that was unimportant. And they knew that. And here they sat, and they knew. And if you see how he did the gates to this gate. And then he would say, oh, and from that gate to this gate. And they build the wall. Hand in hand, they're building the wall. And everyone is part of the story. But there's something else going on here because Nehemiah knows that all these stories, all these little people are part of a great, great big story. And that story is the restoration to recognize God's holiness. Do you understand that? Nehemiah was heartsick. He said, We are the people of God, and we're mocked and despised. And he waited four months, and he goes over there, and he inspires the people to stand up and to restore not their holiness. That's kind of the sales job, right? They're making fun of us. Let's not let them make fun of us anymore. But Nehemiah knows it's the holiness of God. This is the problem we have with sin in our lives. The problem we have with sin is like the people in Jerusalem were so comfortable sitting around with the walls down, we think it's okay. The insult is we call ourselves Christians being restored into the likeness of God, and of image of Christ, of God's very son. And we lay around and we don't care about the sin. We don't care about the lack of boundaries. We don't care that people walk all over us. They come and they go. And I don't mean to take advantage of you because you're being taken advantage of. That's one thing. I'm talking about this apathy towards God's absolute 100% holiness that we're called to. There's no exceptions. And we're so comfortable And then whenever someone comes up and dares a brother or sister in Christ say, Bill, I have to talk to you, man. I've been noticing. I just want to ask you a question. And you say, man, mind your own business. This is no business of yours. That's a lie. It's our business. The people of God. Every piece was important There's this great big story. It's bigger than Nehemiah. That's why it gets in the text. So this is all very out there, right? So we have this little thing we did. I want you to take uh, in your pocket or from your thing and pull out your little plastic. Are the kid's all gone. (laughs) Lego. (laughs) Did you get one? You didn't get a Lego? Guys. You can have one. We got extras. Did you get it? I want you to hold your Lego up. Everybody hold it up. Yeah. Good. We're getting there. <laughs> no, just, let's just look at this for a minute. What in the world are we doing giving you Legos, right? Just, let's, let's talk about this for a second. What do we know, what have we done to you today with this? Embarrassed you maybe. Or <laughs> huh? You got a small wall. So you, you're <laughs> that's your wall I'm not, unless you climb inside of it I'm not sure how it's going to protect you you can stand behind it and run around when the enemy comes, you'll never catch me <laughs> yes, yeah, so you have a piece of it don't you? you have one little piece, right? Uh, who loves Legos? like I thought I loved Legos until I saw those folks who like really love Legos they built like life-size persons out of Legos. Have you ever seen those displays and t- huge cities with things that move? And I go, oh my gosh! I was just putting together like my one-eyed, whatever. You know, uh, there's this, there's something about these that just capture the imagination. We actually went somewhere with our sons where they had a huge Lego display, and you could play. And we had to drag them away, but we were caught up for a while too. Where I was, anyways. You know, caught up in the building. What 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 have we done with this today? We've given you this. I want you to hold on to this. But look at it. What can you do with it? Besides carry it around, you can build a wall with protection. You can you can build. But you have to have somebody else, don't you? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't have to build a wall. Yeah. You can build something like a race car. That's what I want to build. Or a frog. I have an eye a little white eye, it's kind of creepy. Uh, look, everyone's got different Legos. Nah, some of you might have the same Lego, but I mean, you're, 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 you got more to build, less to build. There's pieces and parts, but man, we could have fun. That's what we're doing afterwards. We're just gonna play in the back. So bring your Lego. <laughs> There's this thing that Legos bring out in us, this, this idea that you can have fun with something so simple. But I, but I wanna say this, We gave you one block, and you only have one block, right? But hey, you have one block. That's kind of the idea. There's this thing we've been talking about, Matt and I have been spending some time talking about, and this idea that, like, man, there's so much work, there's so much going on, you know? And I know when Pastor Don was here, he would talk about how it was crazy to see all the things God was doing through God's people. That's still the case, still the case. It's crazy, because it's all these little, little, little things that God's weaving into this great big story. You understand? It's you building the wall, your piece of it. It's you building the wall that's by your house. It's you building the wall that's across from the place for the priests work. It's you doing your, putting your hands to work. I check this out. So I, there's this thing, right? One of the movements we've been sensing is is this idea that we spend a lot of time talking about what we can't do right not what we can do oh i can't do that i'm not i'm not qualified for that guess what you are uniquely gifted you are a creature you are a creation of the creator god and he has endowed you with gifts that no one else has and we can't do this without you it's one little thing so there's this great dude right he's he's this wise he's sage he's he's a genius i mean This man instructed my youth and uh, he means so much to me because of his role in all of our lives. He taught us wisdom through the simple lesson that we've all been given one block. Let's pull up that. Maybe. Oh, go back one, go back one. (laughs) (laughs) Who is this? (laughs) Barney Five. (laughs) There he is, Don Knottson, What a great—I loved him in in the Andy Griffith Show. Right here he is, Barney Five, and he's always like—he's dangerous. You know, he's Bible to hurt himself. He locks himself in jail. He's—he's. But go to that next slide. Check out what Barney taught us about life. He has one bullet. Do you remember this? And he kept it right there. You know, and and but Barney was always ready. Always ready. Go to the next slide. You see? Because when the things got ugly, when the work got tough, when something was going the wrong way, he took out that thing that God had given him, and he loaded it up, and he was ready to use it. And we kind of make fun of him. You know, like he gave him one bullet because he couldn't trust him with a six. Right? That's what you always think. He only needed one. Only needed one. There's this idea of a single bullet Ministry. A single bullet work. Not what you can't do, but what you can do. You're part of the great story. He was always prepared, always ready when called upon. He was a faithful friend, and he would stand up and he would say, I'm ready, let's go, let's go, let's go. That's the type of folks that God calls into his work. That's the type of folks that Nehemiah is talking about. They took responsibility for their portion of the work. The one thing. So here's my question for you. See, we gave you this block, but what's your one block? That's what I want you to kind of think about this morning. What is the one thing God has gifted you for? It may be more than one thing, but let's talk with one. What is the one thing God's called you to? The one situation God's put you in. Do one thing. You can can make all the difference. I want to uh, ask, uh, we're going to show a video to you. Something was brought to us. And this is a God thing, because this is the day. And it was like, let's pick a day on the schedule. We picked a day on the schedule. Watch this video.